0: Gang, welcome back to the Wild at Heart podcast. John Eldridge here in the week of February 7th. And we've got a really neat show for you today that is just a beautiful conversation with our staff. I want to tell you about in just a minute. But before we go there, quick announcement. If you're hearing this on Monday or Tuesday, the 7th or the 8th, you can still participate in a Facebook Live event that I'm doing on Tuesday evening on the 8th of this week. At 6 p.m. Mountain Time, this is part two of a live conversation, part one I did two weeks ago, talking about resilience, talking about strength in this hour, the power of pausing, the power of prayer, the power of journaling, and just some things that we need like benevolent detachment to help us in this hour. We had a great time two weeks ago, and there's live Q&A and really good conversations. So yeah, Tuesday evening, the 8th will be the second live version of that. And if you missed that, you'll be able to pick it up in our weekly updates that we send out to our email list. Okay, so now today, every Tuesday our staff meets for prayer in the morning. And over the past couple months, we have been directing our time talking about the 10 bridesmaids and the oil and how we experience a richer, deeper life in God, how we experience him filling us, and the different means by which we can tap into that in our normal lives, in our day-to-day. So I knew I was going to teach on something I wanted you to hear. So what we did this last week was we just recorded it, and you're going to hear my recording's pretty good, but the staff, because we're in a big room You know, it's not studio quality, but I think you're going to really enjoy it. I think you're going to enjoy their parts. And I think this is going to be really strengthening for you. So continuing in the vein of this is the hour of the 10 bridesmaids, which we deeply believe about this moment in time. This is an hour where the unique set of pressures that come with living towards the end of the age, um, towards the the thrilling climax of the age is a far better way to describe it. This hour, this moment, has a lot of unique pressures to it, and Jesus wants us to be prepared. He wants to provide. He wants to bestow to us the things that we need to navigate such a time as this. So the. Parable of the Ten Bridesmaids has so many good things to it, so much to be mined. But what I want to point out to get us going here this morning is that there is smart, and there are foolish. Um, the wise and the foolish, the smart and the dumb, and the dumb bridesmaids are characterized so pretty, pretty, you know, straightforward. They're dumb. Because the posture they take, the attitude they take is, I can cruise, I can just kind of cruise along through a time like this, and God will, God will take up the rest. You know, he'll pick up the slack. And the smart say, no, I, I've got to be intentional about my life in God. I have to be intentional about the cultivation of the oil, which is to be filled with the presence of God. And in the opening of the two-part conversation Morgan and I did on that, we said that the normal Christian life is meant to be, designed to be, filled with the presence of God. That the enjoyment of his presence, the experience of his presence, that the different ways his presence comes to us, helps us, speaks, informs, sustains, guards, protects, That's his provision. That's what every human soul was made for, that wonderful relationship. And that's what we particularly need in this hour. Um, And it has to do with intentionality, the choices that we're making right now to cultivate our life in God. And so uh, a couple points by review as we get into our conversation this morning. Life is a story that God is telling we believe that very deeply life is a story that God is telling and that story is racing towards its climax and Jesus wanted us to be prepared for the challenges and the unique pressures of this time. So the parable of 10 bridesmaids, which takes place in Matthew 25, follows his discourse, the Olivet Discourse in Matthew 24, where he's describing those challenges and pressures. Now, if you look back on it, the pandemic was for everyone a shaking, you know, to have all that in the last two years. And just when we thought, you know, we're done with this. You know, Omicron rolls through and, you know, kids are back from school and classrooms are closed and people are working from home and you can't take trips to see, you know, all that stuff. So the pandemic was a shaking and it revealed many things. It, it was something of an alarm call from God to say, you need to be really deeply rooted in me right now. Because as much as we want you know, everything to be smooth sailing from here on out. There is reason to believe that more shaking will come. It's just what it means to live in a broken world. And, you know, I'm not projecting this. I'm not prophesying it. I'm not speaking it over us. But the wise would say, I need to be prepared to live in a time like this by, by really being intentional about my life in God. And the mistake that people make is that I can fit a little bit of God into a busy life. That's what most people try and do. I I get a little bit of God in an otherwise busy life. And we just have to be honest and say, that doesn't work. If you want God, he has to be your priority. If you want the richness of a friendship with Jesus and all of that, that brings, the healing, the restoration, the guidance, the blessings, the joy, you know, all that. My cup overfloweth. If you want that, my cup runneth over, then, then God has to be your first love. And Jesus has to be our priority. So I'm just naming that in this hour, because of the pandemic, because of the stresses of modern life, because of personal trauma, all of that, the pull, the, the riptide, the gravitational field of this moment is, I just want things to be fine. Stop messing with my world. You know, Can not we just get back to normal? We are back to normal. You know, la, you just kind of pretend that, la, 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 you know, we are back to normal, things are fine. The pull is potato chips and Netflix. Um, because when you're beat up, you just want relief. And so you want to veg or you want to travel or, you know, you want to get back to your club or your gym and all that. You just want life to be good. Can we just have life be good again? But that's not the same thing as oil. It's not the same thing as cultivating a life in God. It's not. It's not the same thing. It is relief, but there's a difference between relief and restoration. Restoration comes by the presence of God and the growing, deepening, saturating presence of God in our lives. So last time in our group here, I left with one idea. I left you with one idea. I said, you know what? All the spiritual disciplines, all the different things we're talking about, about tapping into the presence of of Jesus, and particularly tapping into the presence of Jesus in us, Going deep, being deeply rooted. Of all the practices, I suggested one. I said, Look, just take five minutes a day and love Jesus. Just begin to build that into your life. The, the intentional practice, not a podcast, not scripture study, you know, those are good things, but just, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you, Jesus. I love you for the sunshine. I love you for the rain. I love you for the cold. I love you for music. I love you for laughter. You just start loving Jesus. Because that one practice is, it's like the epicenter of our intimacy with him and it opens the human soul and heart and spirit To his presence and to his provision and then to the unique things that he would say to you in that moment or love you in that moment or provide for you. The practice of intentionally giving your focused attention, just like you would to a child or to a friend or a spouse, like you have my attention right now. I love you. I love you. I love you. I gave that to you as a a thought, and I'm curious, how's that going?
1: John, I have found it surprisingly rewarding and surprisingly difficult. Like, it's five minutes goes by like this and seems like an eternity. Yes. And so when I first started, it was like, I'd be like, okay, you know, and it was really helpful to sort of put it into real terms. Like, yes, I love you, God. I love you, Jesus, but I love you for, and I, it'd be like, I love you for the wind and for the snow on the peak that I'm looking at right now. And then all of a sudden, like literally just happened. My phone would ring and and life, like just jumps in and gets in the way. And I suddenly realized that like, my brain has gone a different direction, and and it's that recentering and coming back. But for, for me, uh, what I think where I've what I found most helpful is sitting and observing my surroundings and just acknowledging God in them. To look, like, I sit in my living room, look out at the park and the mountain, and take in the scene and thank Him for the pieces of it. Like that's that's been a category. Or you know, thank you for what's happening at work. And then go around the office in my head, thanking God for the way He loves me through, you know, Morgan and through Karen and through Stacy. It's just anyway, it's hard and and it gets easier. It's really rewarding
0: and really difficult. I love that summary. a uh, similar experience,
2: John. Of of at times it's really easy, and at times it's it's not. And I I do get distracted. I'll even find myself, I'll be a minute into it. And then my mind's gone onto something else. And it'll probably be five minutes before I catch myself and go, oh, yeah, I was trying to do do that thing. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) Um, But what I was going to say about the helpful moments where it is going well is what... I think the benefit that I've found in it, what it's doing for me is it's slowing my head down. And so, especially when I'm feeling distracted by a lot of things or stressed or worried, would probably be a better way to say it, doing that and then when I'm done with it, my head just feels more clear and I don't feel... I don't even remember what I was worried about. I just feel more grounded, connected with God after doing it. I find it brings an incredible amount of peace to go there during the night when I wake up and can't fall asleep. To just yeah, go go to loving Him and why I love Him, how I love Him. I think I had a maybe a little different experience of it and. I'd love to hear you speak to it a little bit, John, but, like, as I was doing it, suddenly I just felt like it was so, like, it was more about him loving me and all the things that I love, all the gifts that he gives me through the beauty and the creation and the mountains and the, my friends, and and then suddenly it's like, wait, I'm supposed to be loving you, and I feel like I'm...
1: Being reminded of his love.
2: Yeah, does that make sense?
0: yes that and that is oh, that's okay because that is how he has been coming to you to yeah. your friends through the kindness through the beauty of an evening so to love him in that is beautiful this is a practice and as we're discovering it's bumpy like it doesn't just flow easily You know, John's looking at the park, he's looking at the trees, he's loving Jesus. And then the next step would be to love him for his character. Jesus, I love you for how good you are, how true, how... And you start naming that. I love you, Jesus, for your kindness. I love you for the beauty of your life. And then you're really focused in on him, But that's all good stuff. All that works and and is helpful.
2: I had the opportunity to practice it last week with a fair amount of affliction and battle and found it to lessen my anxiety and put things in perspective. When you are in pain or dealing with injury or sickness, it's so easy to, like, that's all you can see and feel. But just to be able to step back and say, I love you in my broken body. I love that you're with me in this brokenness. was just a breath of, it took the anxiety or the pain or the, just the urgency of it all back and smaller, which is much more manageable than just that's all you can see and experience. So I found that to be exceptionally healing.
0: Actually, what you just named is the gold, because there are forces of darkness rolling across the earth right now, trying to discourage human hearts and bring in abandonment, feelings of abandonment, feelings of betrayal, feelings that God is not here, God is not helping Like, literally, if you think about the phrase anti Christ, they are anti Jesus forces. So, whatever it is that is opposing, Jesus isn't with you, he doesn't listen, he's not speaking, he didn't come through on that promise. And so, if in our suffering, especially we can love Jesus, it is going to disarm that. I woke up the other morning. And I was immediately under despair. Like this was just a few days ago. Despair. And despair is not a normal place for me to live, though I've certainly visited it. I just woke up to it and it was so heavy on me. And I didn't know any other way out, but simply to begin by loving Jesus. I I love you in my heartache i love you in my struggle i love you here in this and and so what you were describing about loving jesus in your broken body and loving jesus in the in the suffering of your your family that is huge because it it allows your soul to access him it restores the the communion and it also disarms the intentions of the dark powers. I got an email the morning that the first um, installment of the 10 Bridesmaids podcast came out that Morgan and I did. The very first thing I got in my inbox that morning was an email from a, a leader of a global Christian ministry, really, really good man. And he, it was a very short email, and he just said, Rescue thank you, I was in despair and ready to throw in the towel. So that practice, it's lovely in the good times, but wow, is it a rescue in the dark nights. And I love it. Uh, Polly, you were saying that it's a comfort in the night um, when you wake up in the middle of the night. It's so beautiful to do. Just let this be the first thing you go to. I love you. Jesus, I love you, and, and to make a practice of this. And if we can give this a little historical context, so this has got a long history, a beautiful history in the in the uh, tradition of the saints. If you you know read the Desert Fathers or the life of Saint Francis, you know all the way up to someone like an A. W. Tozier, they did this intentionally. And and then I had told the story about. Henry now and going to Mother Teresa and asking her for guidance, and he was really struggling. He he had some pretty serious internal uh, brokenness and pain that did not become public till after his uh, passing. But he went to her and she told him to uh, just adore Jesus for an hour a day. <laughs> And I just laughed when I read that. I'm like an hour. I I I can maybe do five minutes, you know, with the distractions of our age. But it's it's a beginning. It's a beginning, and it will get us there. So the idea is we are cultivating oil, cultivating the presence of God in our lives, and a simple practice like that one, loving Jesus intentionally, just five minutes of focused attention, because I think what you'll What you'll discover is as you do that, suddenly you're going to start doing it in the car as you're driving along. And then you're going to find yourself doing it as you're brushing your teeth. I mean, like it's just going to it's going to work its way into other parts of your day and night and be really, really sustaining. Okay, so now let's push into some more. Um, The 10 bridesmaids is a warning not to run out of oil, not to run out of the presence of God in our lives, but especially the Holy Spirit, because throughout the Old Testament and New, oil is, you know, they were anointed with oil as an outward expression, as an act that would invoke, embody, and portray, but also facilitate, welcome, the anointing of the presence of God through the Spirit of God. So quite often the oil is the presence, but the oil more specifically is the Holy Spirit. And it's fascinating. Different people at different stages of their life as they kind of go through um, Christian faith will find themselves relating really well to one member of the Trinity but maybe not all of them, maybe not all of them. And so, you know, for me, I came to Christ because of Jesus. I came to faith because of Jesus. And and he and I have been very, very close for many years. But in my early years, I I didn't want anything to do with the Father. And, of course, growing up in an alcoholic home, alcoholic father, it doesn't take a lot of connection to figure out that our experience of our earthly fathers shapes our anticipated or projected experiences of our heavenly father and so it can often take a lot of healing and maturity to get over something like that it did for me and, and now i have i have a beautiful relationship with the father and so i'm curious i'm curious just to ask father jesus holy spirit our triune god Have you had a a closer relationship with one member of the Trinity? Does that resonate with you? That you can kind of, when you pray, you typically pray Father or Jesus or Holy Spirit or when you're reading or when you're, you know.
2: Absolutely, John. Yeah. For me, it was, I'm like you, coming to faith. I fell in love with Jesus for, gosh, I would say 25 years of my my Christian faith. And it was probably not till about 10 years ago that I asked God, I'm like, I don't know you as father and I really want to. And so pressing into that, he he really answered that prayer like huge, which was wonderful. I think Jesus continually is my go-to, but I'd say that I have a relationship with the Trinity now that I didn't have before.
3: Yeah, it's it. That's really an interesting question. And John, there's, uh, I have some parallels with you and Stacy, having just said that, um, because my relationship with my father, he, he was often silent in so much of my life, and Jesus was my savior, and He brought me into the kingdom, into faith. But um, I, I think, especially with my time here you know, based in this message has really brought my relationship to the Father. And the conversational intimacy with God has been the Holy Spirit. And so um, I would say it's Jesus, the Father, and, and the Holy Spirit coming ladder. But, you know, that's that's pretty logical because Jesus was the manifestation of God in flesh. So he's the easiest for, I think, most of us to relate to.
4: Yes, Bart, thanks. Anybody else? John, I'd say for me, uh, loving Jesus was the easiest from the very beginning in my relationship with God. Accepting myself before the Father has, has been harder over the years. I think I was more surprised in recent years to realize that just because of my faith tradition growing up, with um just not recognizing the spirit so much and then just recognizing too maybe some other wounds uh, but recognizing the spirit being so present has been just a real good walk for me in the last season uh the the idea of attachment love of I almost envisioning myself like in the arms of God, looking up like like a baby, you know, just looking up at the mom and just feeling like I am at home here and this is where I belong. That's been my latest journey with the spirit.
0: I think that for most people, if you were to if you were to kind of sample most Christians, they would they would do what we've just done, which is probably, you know, Jesus. Yes, Father, again, depending on the healing of their heart toward Father, but Holy Spirit, not as many people have as rich a relationship with the Holy Spirit as they do with Jesus or the Father. And part of that has to do with the weird. I said years ago that one crackpot standing on the Street corner with a sign does far more damage to Christianity than ten atheist professors. Like it just, it's the nut jobs. It's it's the it's the wacky. It's the weird. It's the over the top that pushes many people away from Christianity. Period. But once within the kingdom, will often keep us from a rich, deep experience with. Holy Spirit. And it's just important to name this. This was certainly mine. This was Craig's and Lori's. I mean, this was, you know, many, many people in this room could attest to that, that it was looking at, oh, I don't want that weird expression of whatever that people are claiming to be attached to the Holy Spirit that has caused a lot of folks to not enjoy, or I, I think maybe even better to say, put limits on what the Holy Spirit can do and can be in their life. And it may not even be conscious, but we will kind of put parameters around, eh, you know, I, I I thank you for your help with my Bible study or thank you for a word of encouragement, but but that's all I want. I, I don't I don't want anything else with you. and yet if we're in this hour that that we are seeking oil and if the Holy Spirit is so deeply connected to what God is providing for us in this hour, I, I think we need to overcome that. so let let me help you do that for a moment. first, the in the beginning, Genesis chapter one, it says the Spirit, Holy Spirit was intimately involved in creation, intimately involved. Genesis 1 begins like this, verse 1, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Like a bird, like a mother hen flapping her wings, like it's trembling and brooding and in creative imminence over what was about to take place. So if you like creation, you like the Holy Spirit. <laughs> You can just go to you just go to those parts of creation, Like if it's the ocean for you or your garden, if it's music or coffee in the morning at your kitchen table, you can go, "Oh, I love you, Holy Spirit. I love you in creation. And then if you look at Jesus, so Jesus is the Messiah. And probably most of you know that the word Messiah means anointed one. Jesus is the anointed one. Well, what is he anointed with? He's anointed with Holy Spirit. He's anointed with the Spirit of God. So all those things we were talking about that we love about Jesus, from his kindness to his fierceness to his playfulness, his life, what he was able to do for people, you go, that is the physical expression of the Spirit of God. Jesus is the anointed one. And it is so important for us to bring the Holy Spirit front and center in our own personal lives. For a number of very important reasons in this particular hour. The hour of anti-Christ, anti-Jesus push back against our experience of God. And and one is because he is the oil. This is the presence of God within us. Two, because all of the practices that we're seeking to have a deeper life in God, like just simply learning to hear the voice of God and hear it more clearly or learning to see what God is showing us, uh, learning uh, what we've been calling the prayer of descent, communing with Christ in our inmost being, Right. That uh, Paul prays in Ephesians that God would strengthen us by his spirit in our inmost being so that Christ may dwell in our hearts. Okay, so that like that rich, rich connection with Jesus out of the distractions, out of the shallows, moving down into the depths of our being, that practice requires the help of the Holy Spirit. And then I think really, really important to this hour is um, the testing of the spirits. So in 1 John 4, John warns, he says, look, many antichrists have gone out into the world. The spirit of the antichrist was already operating, of course, against the church in that hour because this is the Jesus revolution. So the anti-Jesus stuff you know, is going to come against it through people, but also through demonic spirits. And, and he said, therefore, because that's true, he says, you've got to test the spirits. You've got to test the spirits. And this was a huge click for me in the, in the last month, because in my own personal experience, as we've described on the podcast back in September with Alex and John, And then through a number of texts and emails that I've gotten, even this fall and winter, very mature saints are having experiences uh, of suddenly feeling abandoned or bereft or, or desolate. And here's the open door. The open door was, I thought God told me. And then fill in the blank, you know, that we would get pregnant. I thought that God told me he would heal me of this cancer or heal my mom. Or I thought God told me that we were supposed to move to, to this new city. And, and it's gone terribly. And in those experiences, it's awful. I have had a couple of these. I had a terrible one last summer. And without implicating other people in the story, I can just tell you, I... I thought God made a promise to me very clearly in listening prayer that did not come true. And not only did it not come true, it it was so the opposite. It so backfired so painfully. It threw me really hard, really hard. Because I rely so much on my intimacy with God. And I, you know, we've taught. years and years about the importance of hearing the voice of god john 10 my sheep hear my voice they follow me and i lead them to good pasture this is just so critical hebrews you know today if you hear his voice do not harden your hearts revelation 3 behold i stand at the door and knock if anyone hears my voice like it is so critical to hear the voice of god but The desolation that's really trying to roll across, the loss of heart, the despair, the throw in the towel, a number of those stories are related around something of, but I thought God said, fill in the blank, but I thought that. And what I realized, we need the help of the Holy Spirit to test the spirits. Like, who is speaking here? And not just take it for granted, because the enemy is a ventriloquist. He's brilliant at mimicking, you know, Christian experiences. And you can just look at the cults and go, oh, holy cow, he's convinced a lot of people around the world to follow false gods and false Christs through deception so that he's really, really good at it. And we need the Holy Spirit's help. And in so many other ways as well. So let me just read a couple of passages here. In John 7, one of the greatest offers Jesus gives to the human race. It says, On the last and the greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from the depths of their being. And then John goes on to explain it. He says, by this, he meant the spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. So that wonderful experience of the rivers of life, the wellsprings of life just flowing up out of your inmost being, that's the spirit of God in you. That's Holy Spirit. In John 14, Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. And by the way, can I just point out, the world is so full of deception and fakery and posing and falsehood Some of it deliberate, some of it unintentional, but just born out of the sin of man. The world does not get walking in line with the spirit of truth. Uh, Jesus says, The world can't accept them, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. John 16, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth and wow is that important on so many levels the truth of the reality of god the truth of what's happening in the world the truth of who you are in christ the truth you know the beauty of the scriptures and then testing the spirits he will guide us into truth so that we don't get deceived by stuff and and have it break our heart Uh, Let me read one more. 2 Corinthians 3, such confidence we have through Christ before God. Paul says, not that we're competent in ourselves to claim anything, but our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life and anyone who's lived in a in a legalistic context will tell you the law the letter of the law it just destroys it kills it is soul killing but the spirit of god as manifested in jesus is manifested in creation as manifested in freedom healing joy life you know love joy peace all that the spirit gives life but then he goes on to say now the lord is the Spirit. So Paul gives Holy Spirit lordship. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Okay, so I love that. I love Paul's ability to understand our triune God and and their roles, you know, his role in our lives and these expressions. But the freedom that we long for, the, the transformation that we long for comes through the spirit of God. And so it's really important in this hour for us to overcome some of the weirdness or the fear of weirdness or bad experiences or just unfamiliarity, frustration, disappointment, because we desperately need a greater measure of the spirit of a living God. Not only with us, but in us, in our inmost being, right? The river of life and all that's that's flowing to us there. So. I had a really funny experience I want to tell you about. I was in need of some healing prayer. And so I went to a man who is skilled in that older gentleman, a really beautiful man. And we begin to talk about the need for the healing of brokenness deep within us, the healing of memories, the deep agreement with just core lies that we believe from our childhood and he was talking about how we need the help of the Holy Spirit to access those things and to reveal them and to come and bring the healing ministry of Jesus to us. And I shared with him, I said, you know what? I've had some bad experiences with people claiming the Holy Spirit this, the Holy Spirit that, and the wacky stuff. And, and he said, well, let's just ask him. Let's let's ask the Holy Spirit to come and talk to you about that. And here's here what happens. I, I close my eyes and I have a kind of a vision. Uh, I see, in other words, I see with my eyes closed, I see the Holy Spirit coming to me. And in all of my dread and all of my fear, he is dressed up like a court jester, <laughs> like the little bouncy hat with the balls on it, and he has a tambourine. Which was just like my deepest fear, and, and he, he kind of comes up with this thing, and then he looks at me with this expression like, "Are you kidding me?" And in the vision, he just tosses the tambourine you know out of the vision, and the goofy clothes go away and and he was he was in a very playful but very um loving way, saying, "John, I'm not weird, I'm not goofy, and you have really held me out." I've had the Holy Spirit at arm's length, even though I pray in the daily prayer. I mean, we go through Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and I receive you as my counselor and comforter and strength and guide. I mean, I've prayed that every day of my life for, you know, 30 years. But I internally, I realized that I I had been keeping the Holy Spirit at arm's length. And as we enter an hour like this one, Where we need oil, we need and not just enough oil to get through the day. What's striking about the parable of the 10 bridesmaids is they have extra oil. They bring reserves. Their reserves are full of the presence of God and of the spirit of God. Um, Because Jesus says in the story, he he says, yeah, the, the son, the bridegroom was a long time in coming back. And therefore, you need reserves to handle the dark hours of the night. And so in all the practices that we're trying to access, particularly learning to tap into the rest of the kingdom of God, to be amphibians who can move between. Um, the earthly realm and the the full kingdom of God to receive all that he's providing to us. I was just aware here in our studies together, we can't go on. This isn't going to go well unless we personally allow the Holy Spirit to be who he is meant to be to us fully. And not not within a narrow lane that we allow him to be. But in every way he wants to be. Paul says, the Lord is the Spirit. Like he gives lordship to Christ, of course, but he also gives lordship to the Holy Spirit. So, what I wanted to do as part of our prayer exercise this morning is to pray for our relationship with the Holy Spirit and to allow him to show us in some prayer right now, what might be in the way and then to surrender that. So let's pray together. Holy Spirit, Spirit of the living God, Spirit who anointed Jesus to live out his mission, Spirit who is so deep in creation forgive me for keeping you at arm's length or keeping you in a box or just simply not cultivating openness genuine openness and intimacy with you forgive me Holy Spirit for putting limits on who you can be in my life and what you can do. I need you. I need oil. I I need oil. I need reserves of oil. I need the presence of the living God in my life, deep in my being, and filling me from the inside out. And so I name you Lord. The Lord is the Spirit. I name you Lord. I make you Lord in my life. I give you center stage. I give you center stage. And I just want to pause for a moment, Holy Spirit, and just ask you, let you show me Limits I've put on you, or fears I have about you, agreements I may have made about you because of the abuse, or the wacky, or disappointing people, or heartache. Holy Spirit, I need you. You are the spirit of truth, Jesus said, and that you will lead me into the truth. Would you show me? Even now, what's in the way? We'll just be quiet for a moment and let him speak. Is there someone that I need to forgive who gave me a bad taste of the Holy Spirit? Is there a church or a movement I need to forgive? Is there a fear that I need to let you into? A fear of being like someone else or becoming strange or what you might ask me to do? Is there a fear? Holy Spirit, here is what I'm going to do today. I am going to name you Lord and give you center stage. I ask you to come front and center, not background, not allowed in certain circumstances, but rather front and center. I ask you to come front and center in my life, in my home in my household, in my work, in all my kingdom and domain, in all decision-making. Holy Spirit, come and fill me now. Bring to me all the fruits of the Spirit and every gift of the Spirit also. I need a greater measure of the presence of God in my life. I need a greater measure of you. Holy Spirit come and be the Lord of all my listening and hearing come and be the Lord of all my study come and be the Lord of all revelation in my life lead me into all truth help me to discern the spirits Help me to commune with Christ, with Jesus in the depths of my being. Strengthen me and help me to experience the full kingdom of God. Holy Spirit, replenish the oil in my life. I love you. I worship you as Lord. And I remove every limit I've placed on. In the name of Jesus, who is the best example of what it means to be anointed by the Spirit. So that was our staff time together. Come back next week here on the podcast. Stacy and I are going to pick up with part two, talking more about the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives.